Romans chapter five, verses one to five, as you know that this letter was written to the Roman church and it was written to people who were at different stages within their lives. And so when you read the book of Romans, you'll see that the first part or three quarters of the book of Romans is kind of the doctrinal part, the theoretical part. And then from about chapter 11, it is, it, 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 it is more the practical part where you practically live out the truth that was given to us. And that is an order that Paul follows in, in most of his letters that he writes to the churches. And, and it reminds us that we live our lives not from the basis of feelings or respond in faith to our circumstances, but our lives are centered in truth, in the truth that God gives us. And um, so Paul does it again. And um, as we've been speaking about the whole subject of God being for us, and as we progressed in speaking about difficulty and the sufferings that all of us go through, both people who do not know God and people who do know God, we all go through suffering. And um, some of our difficulty is bigger than other people's difficulty. But that doesn't mean that the difficulty that I'm going through today is as, as important as yours. Even though my difficulty may be very small and yours may be very big, for me, my difficulty is huge. And the Bible addresses that within our lives. And so the Bible, when it comes to difficulty, addresses us specifically. And again, we see here that Paul speaks to us in the context of our real lives. The Bible is a real book. It speaks to real people because we serve a real God. And that's why I love the faith that um, I believe in and that we um, model our lives according to because the Bible is real. It tells us how to act when things are going well and it also teaches us how to act when things are not going that well. And uh, if you're sitting here today within your lounges or wherever you are and things are not going too well, I really trust that the Holy Spirit would use the word of God to speak to you today. If your life is pretty good today, I want you to learn from today because things may turn tomorrow because that's the nature of our Christian walk. Forrest Gump says, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. And um, it is true, um, life is like that. And that's why I'm so thrilled and thankful to God for the scriptures. And so let's read the scriptures and let's look at Romans chapter five. And we're gonna read verses one to five. Verse one says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, and we've seen that word justified in Romans chapter eight a few times. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And the phrase that I would like us to look at is this phrase that most of us try and shy away from. And it's the phrase we say, which says, we glory in our sufferings, verse three. But not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And um, this word suffering is a very interesting word. In the Greek, it is translated tribulation. It is something that causes us to tribulate. I don't know whether that is an English word, but it sounds good to me. It is something that causes us to tribulate. That's not what the Greek says. But um, in the Greek, it is translated tribulation or something that causes distress. I'll tell you of a situation that has caused me some distress this week. Jenny had asked me to go and buy something at our local store just below our house, and it is like 30 meters away, so I'm the local carrier for Jenny. And I'd walk in and I'd practice my German with the ladies there, and normally they're very, very kind to me and very gracious. And I went into the shop and Jane had given me four articles to buy because she was making uh, dinner for someone and we were going out to dinner with someone and she wanted to create something for a dessert. So I went in and I got, as you do when you go to um, someone's home in Switzerland, remember it, internationals, please don't forget this. It's a very important cultural practice. You always take a bottle of wine when you go and visit someone in Switzerland. So I walk out to Fork and I go and buy some wine and I go buy some milk and we go and buy a nice box of chocolates for the couple that we're going to. Remember what Forrest Gump says, you never know what you get out of a box of chocolates. And then I had to go and buy some blueberries. And these blueberries are in a plastic container and closed and I went and I paid and I forgot to take a packet and when I looked at the articles I thought man I'm not going to spend an extra 80 or 90 um, robins on it and um, so I put everything on top of the box of chocolates which had a plastic coating on. I had the wine under my arm, chocolates here and I had the blueberries on it. I paid, balanced and I walked as I walked out of the door of the shop, the blueberries fell off. The plastic container opened and, the blue, and it was a big container of blueberries and they were all over just outside the entrance of the shop where the parking was at. 
And of course, the first thing we do, you look around and you try and find out who's watching you. Now, how many of you know that I started to tribulate at that time? This event caused some distress within me and the good stroke South African Swiss person that I am, because I do have my permanent residency now, I, I got on my knees, put everything down, I made sure I didn't drop the bottle of wine. And I put it down nicely, got onto my knees, and I started picking up these, it seems, millions of blueberries. And people walked past me into the shop. Now I was two meters away from the shop door. And, these blue, and I could say, oh, if a person steps on a blueberry and goes into the shop, then I'm really in trouble. Or it gets onto their shoes, I'm really in trouble. And I'm crawling around, get a handful, then I go to the dustbin and I throw it in, and people are walking around me. I would have loved for someone just to have said, can I help you pick it up? This is what I think I would have done. But no one did. And I was tribulating more to try and get, and I was so embarrassed. And eventually, there was about half left in the box and half on the floor. And when I cleared everything up very nicely, in the box, I got up and very sheepishly just walked to our apartment, which was about 40 or 50 meters away. And I told Jerry, Jenny of the story, and she said, it must have been so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing, but it caused me distress. And so from distress on that point to distress of the person who had lost a loved one, who's going through pain within their lives, physical pain, which is so debilitating, or just emotional pain because of the uncertainties of the future. My friends, when distress comes, when we tribulate, the scripture says that we need to glory in our sufferings. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that impossible to do. And then, of course, we look at James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 as well. And um, it's good to open your Bibles when we look at these scriptures, when we read it. It's a good practice. And James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, and I'll give you about 15 seconds just to turn to that passage. It says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And these two scriptures, I remember as a teenager, I would look at it and I'd say to God, God, I do not understand it. Teach me what this actually means just within my head. And I must say, it has been one of the more difficult scriptures for me really to understand, but also to display within my life personally. But I know that I'm still a work in progress and I'm sure you can, or some of you can, relate with me on this point. Um, 
And so whether you tribulate when you drop a box of blueberries, or as in the case, and I remembered as I was preparing, I was about 30, 31. Jenny and I, we were leading a church in a place called Howick. And I remember as a young pastor getting the phone call from a family who had visited the church on occasions, but I really didn't know them. And um, they were within our community, and uh, I got the phone call to say that the two sons were walking um, back from the shop, and they were living out on a farm in the Howick area in South Africa. And it was raining, there was some thunder and some lightning out, and the two boys, they were probably, if I remember correctly, maybe 13, 8, 11, somewhere along there. And as they were walking, lightning hit the one son, the one boy, and killed him. And I remember I was asked to conduct that funeral. And up to today, you know, I, I still experience the anguish of the family sitting in the front row and the brother, I think he was the 14, I forget which one was struck dead by the lightning and sitting there and conducting that funeral. And I was wondering what I actually could say to comfort this family. The mother, I still remember her, the picture within my mind, and I remember the young boy weeping over his brother, asking questions, why wasn't it me rather and not him? And vice versa, and all of the questions and I remember I felt so helpless as a young pastor speaking into the context, but to trust the Holy Spirit to come just to bring peace, to bring comfort, just to help them through this process. And so in the context of the events that you and I are going through today, the scripture says that we need to glory in our sufferings. And you can understand why I'm saying it is such a hard thing to understand and a hard thing to live through. And so, you know, it is very interesting when we look at the word glory. The word glory speaks about a emotional response to something which is larger than ourselves. And so I understand that the word glory is a word that is larger that our own human personality and our own strength. I understand that the word glory, as some translated, some translators would translate it, uh, could mean you, you rejoice in your sufferings. And, 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 and that is also hard because we know that that is actually what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Rejoice in it. And so I started just to look at it again. And I started to understand that the word glory is only something that we can understand when we attach it to the eternal purposes of God. And it is more than an emotion. It is a strength that comes, not from us, but it's a strength that comes from the Holy Spirit that enables us to lift our heads, to look to God and to allow his Holy Spirit to give us a perspective 
on this which we are going through, which is not earthly. And out of that, there comes a sense of faith that helps us to get our mind and our heart around it and then allows God to release a godly emotion, yes, emotion within us that allows us not to give up but to step forward. And it's very hard to do better than this because I don't want it to sound flaky and I don't want it to sound supernaturally, purely, because it is something that sometimes faces us monthly, if not weekly, if not daily. But when James says consider it pure joy and when Paul says that we need to glory in our sufferings, it is because the writer of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, knows what God is doing through this time within our lives. There is an attitude. Um, Warren Worsby, when he comments on the book of James, he said that our attitude determines our actions. And that's true. And so when he speaks on this passage of Scripture, he says when, when the Bible says, consider it pure joy, that attitude that is within our hearts will enable our action to be of a kind that helps us to bring God into what we are experiencing. So attitude does determine our actions. And so we need to have the attitude where when we say glory, it is almost like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I'm experiencing this pain, but thank you that this is happening for your eternal purposes, which I do not fully understand. Now, for you and I to be able to do that, we have to understand a few things about God. You see, you know, we've talked about God being with us. We've talked about when the odds are stacked against us and Ken led us through that teaching so well. We talked about just you and I. Where are you at? And that is so important. But I want to ask you the question further today. Not only where are you at, but where is your faith at? today within this tremendous trial that some of you are going through and the tribulation that I went through this past week in dropping that box of blueberries. Where is our faith in? Yes, in that seemingly silly little event, I was embarrassed and I felt stupid. Do you sometimes feel that way? Where is my faith in? It really doesn't matter what people think about us, does it? That, that's the scripture that comes to my head. It depends what God thinks about us. You know, humbling ourselves. It was a humbling thing. What was God doing within my life? That's the question that we ask. But Romans chapter 5 helps us to understand when we go through suffering, what our position is in God during that time. And I want to focus for about five minutes just on that. 
What is your position in God when you're going through the suffering? If you understand that, then there would be a whole set of responses within our lives that will help us as followers of Christ when we go through these difficulties. And it's a beautiful thing. And I just looked at it and it just came together so nicely when I looked at this passage in the context of our sufferings and tribulations. What is our position when we are struggling? What is our position in God when we are going through difficulty? And I'm so glad that you asked that question. And so what is our position before God when we go through these times? And Romans chapter five, um, the first few verses helps us to understand it. Paul says here, he says, therefore since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, when you go through maybe the box of blueberries experience, or the experience which is so difficult and so hard where you would lose a loved one that just seems so unjust. My friends, the Bible says our position in God when we go through that is this. We have peace with God. Which means we are on his side. There is no conflict between us and God because of the gospel. The gospel settled it when Jesus died for us on the cross. Before we came to the cross and our sins were forgiven and our position was changed from sinners into believers, the Bible says there was enmity between us and God. We weren't on God's side and God wasn't on our side. That's what sin does. It separates us. From God. But for the believer who has trusted God for their salvation, the moment we step into God's kingdom and He forgives our sins, the Bible says that there is peace between us and God. As a matter of fact, we step onto His side, the winning side, because we've read the last chapter of the book of Revelation and God wins at the end of the day. He wipes away every tear. And I remember when I do funerals, I've done so many funerals over the years. Privilege to be able to lead people during their sorrows, to look at Christ. I would say to them, there will be a time when we go to heaven and all of the difficulty that we've gone through, all of the uncertainties that, find, that finds us, all of those insecurities that come through and even the grief that we're experiencing when we go through tribulations that we do not understand and we try and glory in it, there's a time within heaven, the Bible says, the first half an hour within heaven. And I know time is eternal in heaven, but the first half an hour in heaven, the Bible says that every eye and every tear will be dried. Isn't that beautiful? And oftentimes I speak to people who are going through grief and I say, Yes, it's tough here, but there will be a moment when God will come and he'll dry off every eye, every tear he will take away and there will be no more mourning in heaven. I think God will sit down with those of us who have lost loved ones, who have 
been treated unjustly and unfairly where it was maybe go on for years and God would sit with us, giving us the strength to step through. But in that half an hour within heaven, I think Jesus will sit with us and he'll dry every tear. And he'll wash every heart once again with his tears. He will love us and he will strengthen us. My friends, I have no doubt that when we talk about suffering, that Jesus will sit with us. And after he sat with us, and his healing balm touches those deep scars and wounds within our lives, I believe that everything will be well. And we will step into eternity. I don't think we'll ever forget those things. But we will remember them in a way where it's all okay. My friends, this is the type of peace that I'm speaking about. It starts here. But it finds its culmination in Jesus Christ. Yes, here to some degree. But fully where we see him face to face. My friends, I don't like a gospel that promises what we can't experience here. <laughs> I just don't like that. I listen to some people and I just say, that's unrealistic to my faith, but this is real to my faith. I can live with this. And I believe that you could live with this too. Peace with God means that he is on your side when you go through those very difficulties that some of you today are experiencing. And then Paul goes on and he says, um, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That's beautiful. It is just beautiful. Access means we can approach God Anytime. Why? Because he favors us. Now think about that in the context of your suffering. The injustice that you are going through at this time. It means you can approach God anytime because he favors you. I just felt as I was writing this down, and it's really a phrase that God has given to, to me to us today is that you can approach God anytime because he favors you. You know, I say to people, and I said it to someone again who came to see me this week and we were sitting down talking for about an hour and I just said to him, would you mind if I just turn the ringer off on my phone? But I said, I keep my phone next to me because there's one person that I favour anytime and if she phones me, unless it is a life and death issue, I will take that call. Now, I can do it. I know some of you in business can't do it, but I do it and so I have a phone and the one that I favor, if she phones me, I'll pick up that phone and I'll answer it. And that's Jenny. You see, she can approach me at any time because I favor her. In your tribulation, in your difficulty, in your trial, you can approach God at any time because he favors you. What does it mean? You're his favorite. <laughs> you know, uh, we oftentimes with our two boys, you know, where we talk 
about their relationship with us, one of the boys would say, yeah, but, but you favor him. <laughs> and they, no, you favor him. You know, and it's, you are my favorites. And, and, and I can truly say that both of my boys, hands down, and you'd say you're being politically correct, no, we favor our two boys. They're our favorites. My friends, because of the gospel, because of what God had done on the cross for you and for me, he favors you. You're his favorite and you put it in the context of the suffering and difficulty that you're going through today. My friends, I want you to know that that pain can be handled if you know that God really favors you. How do I glory in my tribulation? My friends, know that what you are going through, that God favors you. God favors you. That is what it means to have access. And then he says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. It means, hope in the glory of God means that God has the final word on everything. The hope that you and I have is in God. He speaks the final word. Man's words will have an empty ring. It will become like a symbol that is empty, that is hit. It is like a man's words are as empty as clouds that give no rain. But God's words are so full of meaning and that gives us hope. My friends, it doesn't matter what people say around us. It matters what God says about you, even through your difficulty and your tribulation. Remember, few weeks ago we spoke about Job going through his difficulty. His friends, his, his closest friends were saying things to him and they said, Job, you know, you probably sinned. That's why this is happening. Job, da, da, da. And they told him a whole lot of things. They meant well, but their words weren't true. Those words are as empty clouds. They give no rain. Job's wife said to him, curse God and die. Those words are Empty, they are like clouds that give no rain in comparison to the words of God over Job's life. And it's exactly like that again. Today, my friends, he is on your side. Today, he says, you are special, you are favored. Today, the words that he speaks over you are life-giving words. He says, you can get through this time. He says, even when you feel whatever you're feeling, he says, I will speak my words of courage and strength into your heart. It's what he says that truly matters. I'm gonna close now. And I haven't even used my notes that we were gonna put on the board there, but I think it is enough for today. But I want to close with this story. 
I made a statement last week that has just rung within my heart. And the statement that I made was, what God saves, he keeps. And within your struggle, as you tribulate today, and I know that some of you are, we've prayed for you this week. As you are in distress, you need to know what God saves, he keeps. I remember a game that we used to play called Finders Keepers. Any of you remember that? Maybe it was just us Afrikaans boys who played that game. But we kind of remodeled that game into um, a game where we played um, cards with, with cars on it. And, 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 and I have a fondness for cars. And it started when I was really, really young and I loved to play with little cars. And so you get these deck of cards with the names of cars and the pictures of cards, uh, cars on it and the value of the car and the name of the car and, and you would want to trade those cards with your friends. And so at school we would bring these cards and we would train it, trade it you know, and you would look at it. And I remember there was a time when I was looking for a Ford Capri Card because that was quite valuable in the day. I had the Ford Escort, I had the Ford Mustang, and I even had the Lamborghini Countach, and that, the price of that was very, very high. But I needed that Ford Capri. And I remember trading with my friends, and when I found that card, we all were together, and when you see that card, we had a shout out, finders keepers. So we adapted that game to the game of cards. And I would grab that card and I'd say, find us keepers, and it was mine. And of course, I would trade a card for them and the other person would take one of my cards. And I loved that game because, you know, uh, uh, find us keepers. And I want you to know today that what God saves, he keeps. What he finds, he keeps, even in your most weakest period within your life, God shouts out to the devil who comes to accuse you daily. He's the accuser of the brethren. He speaks lies over your life. He tells you to give up. Jesus says to the devil, find us, keep us. The trade took place, devil. When Piet was lost in his sins, the trade took place upon the cross. I exchanged my life for him. Find us, keep us. In your state that you are in today, know that God speaks a better word over your life than the devil. And he says, you're a keeper. Oftentimes, then the ladies come together and they talk about their man. They say, mm, he's quite a catch. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. Means they, they'll keep their husband. That's a good thing. God says that about you. You're a keeper. So in your midst of difficulty, know that God keeps you.
today. Would you stand as we pray, please? Father, just as we stand before you today, at home, here in the auditorium, we are so thankful that you've put such a huge value upon our lives. And though we don't understand all that's going through, when we go through these difficulties and what you produce, as the scripture says further, which we didn't get to, purpose of these sufferings. The one thing that we know today and that we glory in is our position in you. That we have peace with you through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God what you say over our lives matter. And so would you come and would you strengthen those who are going through deep tribulation, those who are in distress because of the many reasons that faces our lives, would you come and would you help them just to stay in there and not to give up? Would they know your presence today? And so Lord, we commit them to you, Father, as we pray in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. You put the love of God within our hearts during this tribulation. Would you fill lives today with your love, a love that is robust, that is strong, that is able to keep them. We pray for that, Lord. Keep your people today. We trust you for that.